Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture this morning is taken from John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed, although they did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went, to back, went back to where they had been staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we have gathered here to sing praises to you for this gift we have been given. As we hear your word read and proclaimed, I humbly pray that our ears would be open, our hearts would be full, and that our eyes would see clearly what you have for us today. But as we see, hear, and know of your presence, transform our lives so that all the world may realize that we are not just hearers of your word, but that we are doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Some years ago, 88.6 million people sat in suspense all summer long 
waiting to find out who shot J.R. And then a few years later, there were about 125 million people that tuned in just to see how MASH would end. This past week, over 11 million people tuned into HBO and countless others streamed it directly from HBO or from other pirated sources, however, to find out how the final season of Game of Thrones would start. And after all of those episodes, after all of those events, with much anticipation to find this out, people were amazed at the storyline, amazed at the plot, and spent the next days and weeks sitting around the water cooler or on social media or the social media of the days telling that story. Could you believe that's how it ended? Can you see what happened there? I'm amazed. Was that not awesome? I had no idea. All just to talk about the rest of the story. So how many of us know the story? We sat there on Friday afternoon, Friday evening as the skies grew dark, realizing what had happened at Golgotha where Jesus was crucified, wondering how the story's going to end. The text doesn't say much about what happened to Mary and the disciples after the crucifixion other than they went away in mourning. Today, in today's text, which Brett just read from the Gospel of John, we see the rest of the story. We hear the rest of it. We realize what it means for us in the story of God's love for you and for me and for all the world and how the story ends. For on that Sabbath day, Mary, with a heavy heart, still trying to figure out and comprehend all that happens, surely thought there had to be something else. And so she goes to the tomb in her grief and her sadness. And as she approaches the stone is rolled away. The heavy stone that took 20 or 30 men to put in place, it has now been rolled away. She has this heavy heart. She fears grave robbers and she runs to find Peter and another disciple to say, come look at me, the stone, the stone has been rolled away. Something has happened. So they go, they run quickly to the tomb and they don't fully comprehend what has happened. They walk in and they see the burial clothes all folded neatly. Jesus' body is not there. They still have yet to comprehend that he has been raised from the dead and given new life. The disciples leave and leave Mary behind. And her grief just overwhelms her. The text says she begins to cry. She begins to, to cry in anguish and to weep. In this deep grief, the angels appear and say, why are you crying? And she asks them, why? Why do they take him? Where do they take him? I will go and see. And yet she's still crying. And the, answer, the angels give no real answer that comforts her soul. She turns and she sees what you and I know is the risen Christ, but she mistakes him for the gardener. And she says, where have you taken his body? Show me and I will collect it. Still thinking that it's been, his body has been taken away, not realizing that he's been lifted from the dead. But it's only when Jesus looks at her and calls her by name. And he says, Mary. That she realizes today is different. She realized that there's something completely different about what has just happened and what she has witnessed. The rest of the story is completely off the plot line chart. 
And as she begins to understand what has happened, she rushes to tell all of the world that she has seen the risen Lord and that the story didn't end at Golgotha. John's account of the resurrection reminds me of a poem by Mary Oliver, one of the stanzas of which I love so very much. It says, instructions for living, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. See, this is what happens in the story today. Mary comes and she's in her grief. She begins to pay attention and then she realizes what has happened in front of her. She is astonished and she cannot contain it for herself. And so she goes forth into the world and tells them what has happened there in Jerusalem. What if for us on this Easter Sunday, we did the same thing with our own encounter with the risen Christ? What if we did the same thing with our own gift of the resurrection where we paid attention, we were astonished, and we went and told the world? So to fully comprehend what has happened, we have to have our eyes wide open, our ears listening intently, and our hearts focused on God to pay that kind of attention. See, when the disciples, when they came with Mary to the tomb, all the signs were there that something was different. First, you start with that big stone. It took 10, 20, 30 men to put it in place. No one is just going to haphazardly roll it away after having rolled it there. But they didn't pick up on that, did they? They walked in and they saw the burial clothes all folded neatly, still thinking in their minds that grave robbers had come. But what robbers do you know would fold up the burial claws and set them neatly to the side. I mean, think about it in your own life. How many of you have checked out of a hotel room and have made your bed? Or how many of you have taken the towels and folded them up neatly and left them on the bathroom counter? We don't do that, do we? No, we just kind of escape as quickly as we can. But yet this is what happened and the disciples didn't pick up on it and they left. And then Mary was there and it was the angels that spoke to her and she still didn't get it that this was different. She didn't see that Jesus was the one before her. She thought he was the gardener, but not until he called her by name. And in that moment when he said, Mary, the scales fell from her eyes, the fog lifted and she realized that she was standing in the presence of the risen Christ. That this day, this Sabbath day was different than all the ones that had come before and set the tone for all the ones that would follow. But let's think about it in our own lives. We talk about in the church that every Sunday morning is a mini celebration of Easter where we gather in this place to worship and to praise God and to remember the resurrection. But what's different about today? What's different about today is today follows the darkness of Friday night. If you were here for the Tenebrae service, you heard the clash and the symbols and the storm that follows the, follows the crucifixion. And then the darkness. But the day as we came in, what did we see? We were greeted outside by a cross covered no longer with ugliness, but instead with the beauty of God's creation, reminded that something new was different about today. We came in and look here, the, the place is full. Man, my dream has come true. The transept balconies are full. God has delivered. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? 
But it's true. We're here. We're together. Look at how you're dressed. You have gotten your new Easter outfit or maybe that one tie that you can only wear on Easter. And it's on today, right? The music is uplifting and great and glorious. I mean, the choir ate their Wheaties today, did they not? They brought it all. I mean, you did, right? Exactly. Today was different. This is what we would call like church on steroids. Something is different about today. You see, the celebration that we experience is for us. What is different about today is today is for us. It is God's gift to us. And so maybe if if you haven't figured it out when you walked in the door, maybe, just maybe, in the silence, in the prayers, in the hymns, in the words, God calls you by name and says, this is for you. I died on the cross for you. I was raised from the dead for you. This is how much our God loves you and me. See, once we realize that, once we realize that God is calling us by name, that God reaches out to us, are we not blown away? Are we not, are we not blown away by the fact that this is all a sign of God's love for us? I mean, as soon as Mary realized that she was speaking to Jesus and not the gardener, that he called her by name, she wanted, she said, Rabboni, teacher. She wanted to wrap her arms around him. And he said, no, not yet. I haven't ascended. But this is for you. She realized she was in the presence of a miracle. She was astonished. Just a few weeks ago, some of us on staff went on a continuing ed event We went down to Walt Disney World to talk about this idea and to learn from experts, Disney quality service, how we might can improve our process and the way we do ministry and work together as a team. But part of our experience down there was we wandered the park to see how all of this idea of quality service was put in place. While wandering the park one day, all of a sudden sort of out, you know, they have doors all over from backstage to onstage. And somehow or other, one of those doors was hidden by some shrubbery. And all of a sudden, standing in front of us was Alice from Alice in Wonderland. I mean, she was just there. And I was taken aback. But there was a little girl that she was walking by and she saw Alice. And Alice sees her and she goes, well, hello. And this girl stops. And she just looks. And Alice, and her eyes are about as big as saucers. She looks at her mom and she looks at her dad. And Alice says, I love your shoes. And the girl just bronzes grin and shines and clicks her heels a little bit. I mean, all of a sudden, all 10,000 of us in the park, we disappeared. And this girl's got this look like Alice is talking to me. To me, she's talking just to me. No one else matters. I matter to Alice. And so this goes on and I'm watching this entire exchange and the whole time, the only person that matters to Alice is this girl. And she is amazed. She's talking to me. See, that's the miracle of the empty tomb. See, the empty tomb is for you and for me, it's for us. That's what's amazing. We start to think about this. The tomb is empty so that we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to mourn that we are not perfect. I mean, sometimes we want to think that we've got the world by the tail and that we are just right. 
But with that part of our heart that we don't want the rest of the world to know, you and I know our own faults, right? We know where we're not perfect. We know when we have messed up. But because of the empty tomb, God says, I still love you in spite of the things you do. Because of the empty tomb that we are no longer distant from God. Instead, what God says is that I love you so much, I will take a step closer to you so that we'll be closer together. All the negativity that the world wants to throw, all the labels they want to throw on us that try to beat us down, they cannot stick because God died on the cross for us and was raised from the dead because the tomb was empty. And it says God loves us just the way we are for the people God created us to be. See, never before had that happened in the history of the world where God had come so close to show the world, this is what I will do for you. My brothers and sisters, that's how special we are. That is how much God loves you, loves me, loves all of us. To focus that intently on us as individuals. So when God calls us by name, are we not blown away that the resurrection happened for us? So as we acknowledge that, as we realize that we are what we call the Easter people, the children that God has died on the cross for, then that shouldn't, shouldn't that change the way that we live? Shouldn't we be amazed by it? Shouldn't we tell the whole world? So Mary is there. She realizes that all of this has happened for her, that Jesus is talking directly to her. And he says, go and tell my brothers what has happened. Go tell them that I've been raised from the dead. And she goes and she tells them, but she tells everyone she meets along the way. I mean, isn't that what happens when we have this personal encounter with Christ, this personal encounter with the risen Lord that has died on the cross for us so that we might live? Think about Jesus's ministry from the very beginning. Anytime someone came across Christ, they could not help but go and tell the world. Think of the shepherds out in the field tending their flocks by night. They were out there. Life was great. The angels came to them and said, let us tell you what's happened in Bethlehem. And after that, when the angels went away, the shepherds looked at each other and said, let's go see. And so they went, they went to see. And when they got there, they saw Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, just as the angels said. And then what does the text say they did next? And they went away telling everyone what the Lord had made known unto them. The folks that were following Jesus and the disciples, when he pulled them up on a hillside, he was teaching them all afternoon. It was late in the day. And one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, uh, we have a problem. Uh, there are no stores nearby and it's the dinner hour. And Jesus said, let's see what we can do. Now I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Let's see what we can do. And a little boy brings his lunch, a couple of fish, a couple of loaves. And Jesus says, that'll do. 5,000 people were fed and there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Don't tell me those 5,000 people didn't go and say, you will never guess what I saw today. Great teaching, great preaching, and a heck of a lunch with leftovers. The world couldn't help but, I mean, they couldn't be contained. They had to tell all their friends or the blind men that had not seen for years. And Jesus said, now open your eyes. And they saw clearer than they had ever seen before. And they went away telling everyone what Jesus had done for them that they could see as they had never seen. And they knew God's love. 
Well, Mary was just the same. She could not be contained herself. She had to go forth and do just the same. Which then begs a question for you and for me. What has God done for us? What has God done for us that we need to tell the world, to tell the world that God has forgiven us of our sins, to tell the world that God has helped us over troubled waters, that when we were weak and we needed someone to help hold us up so that we could be strong, that God's spirit was there amongst us. When we mourned the loss of loved ones, God's spirit healed our hearts and carried us over that dark period. When we lost our way, that God became the roadmap that showed us the route back to the cross, the route back to Jesus, the route back in the way that God wanted us to go. See, this is not something to hold in and to keep it as a secret. The text says we can't hide it under a bush, but instead that we are a city on a hill. So this is a story that we are to go out and to shine that light in all the world around us. So this afternoon, before you leave, or maybe as you came in, you took a picture of the flowered cross, or you'll come down front here by the lilies, or maybe in your garden or over at the club or somewhere, you'll take pictures of your family together all for Easter and celebrate it, how beautiful you look in all of your Easter finery and be tempted to post it on Facebook. And I'm not saying don't do that. It's gonna be exciting to do it. But what if we had that same fervor and that same intent to tell all the world what God has done for us because he called us by name, because we're amazed and we can't help but go forth because we've had that transformative of spirit. So here's what I hope today is. You came in the door with much anticipation, wondering how the story was going to end, wondering what was going to happen in worship. You knew the music would be great. You knew the sermon would be right up there. You knew all this was going to happen. What happened? See, you're only good. You knew it was there, but you paid attention still nonetheless. Pay attention to see God all around us, to see God working through us, looking for the ways that God calls us by name. What if the rest of the story is as we went out the doors today that we did that just as well? We started to look for those places where God was calling us, speaking to us, or better yet, we were astonished by what God provided for us. I love this time of year. Every day, the picture out my window is something different. God paints creation anew every morning. What if we realized what a miracle that was? Or that God loves us in spite of us? Or the work that God does through us? And then finally, what if we just went and simply told the world, Happy Easter. You are loved by God. Do you know that? Do you know that? And we did that by, we told them that either in those words or just by the way we treated them, the way that there was something different about us because we had had great anticipation that we would meet God here this morning and through all elements of worship. That happened. That God spoke to us and we were amazed. And we cannot help but share that with the world. See, my brothers and sisters, Christ the Lord is risen. Christ the Lord is risen indeed, and that is a message that we have to share to all the world. So let us go forth in the glory of God, paying attention, astonished at this gift, and telling all the world about it. Amen and amen. 
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.